0: All right, my hungry homies. Today's House of Carbs presented by Aria Resort and Casino. There is the Vegas you're used to, and then there's Aria Resort and Casino. Aria embodies distinction from technology-advanced rooms to signature moments in Aria Sky Suites and Aria Tower Suites. Located in the center of the Las Vegas Strip, Aria offers illuminating experiences with their award winning accommodations, best in class amenities, and unique tableside dining unlike anything you've experienced. Visit aria.com to see how they, Vegas. <laughs> My eating enthusiasts, we've done it. We're back. It is another edition of House of Carbs, the food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your hungry host, Joe House. It is the end of October. That means fall is upon us. We have gone a little while without checking the news. So, why don't we get in a little? Early fall season food news. We have joining us today, the inimitable Craig Gaines, the chief copy editor from The Ringer. He's been on lots of times. You know him. You love him. He and I chop up some delicious food news. A couple visits to Japan this week. Shouts to nephew Kyle for taking us to beautiful, luscious Japan. We're going to be visiting Japan a lot in the upcoming year. Tokyo Olympics in 2020. Let's go ahead and get in that belly with the chief. All right, homie, homies, we are convened. It's early fall. There are lots and lots of food stories out there. One in particular this week, Pete Wells from the New York Times just went after Peter Luger, the institution. It was institution on institution crime, one of my favorite kind of crimes. But uh, that's not the only story of the last six weeks or so. We are in the very capable hands of the chief, Craig Gaines. Hey, now, what's happening, Chief? How you doing,
1: House? First, congratulations on your nats, and I have two questions for you to lead off. Are you sober right now? And if so, why? The Nats won last night in one of the most incredible World Series we've ever seen. And you have to be over the moon right now. Chief,
0: I am drunk uh, on emotion. I am drunk with delirium. I am drunk uh, with, with, with exhaustion. And I may or may not be drunk on two fingers of Glenn Fittich.
1: And you know, we'll, we'll get to scotch as well. Um, I'm really happy for you. This is a, it is a great day to do food news. Um, we'll definitely be talking about that uh, Pete on Peter violence that we, uh, that we saw in the media this week. Uh, we'll be getting to that. Um, first, though, let's talk about pizza. How about that? I love pizza.
0: Um, okay. What a great time to talk about pizza. It's always a good time to talk about pizza.
1: It, it, especially in, uh, at Halloween, because we have a Halloween-themed pizza. Here we go. This is from japan-today.com. The headline, Domino's Halloween Roulette Pizza Spikes One Slice with Ghost Pepper Sauce. And here we go. Whether, oh, no. Whether, oh, no. Whether it's the ridiculously cheese-laden New Yorker One Kilo Ultimate Cheese or the jalapeno-smothered pizza, Domino's Pizza Japan has been upping the ante of late when it comes to pleasing thrill seekers. But if you thought that that pizza was spicy, consider biting into a slice of pizza spiked with a chili pepper, which is several hundred times hotter. That's what Domino's Japan has in store for the foolhardy thrill seekers who dare to order their new Halloween roulette coming out uh, in mid-October, a pizza with one randomly selected slice spiked with ghost pepper. So you have like a regular pizza for, you know, like 80% of the pizza. And then there's one slice that has ghost pepper sauce on it.
0: So I am blown away by several elements and aspects of this. First of all, shouts to Japantoday.com. Absolutely. I, I this, this is our my first opportunity to uh, enjoy their offering. Yep. And this is right in our wheelhouse, yep. Chief, which is why it's the lead story here. Absolutely. Also, sh- shouts to to, to Japan Dominoes. What is it? Dominoes Japan? Is that yeah, what that's the... it. That's so uh, well done with the penetration. I know that that's not uh, all in and of itself uh, all that unique. Lots and lots of um, U.S. based food conglomerates have um, made their way into the, the Japan market. Uh, but what I'm particularly curious about and intrigued by is this idea of thrill-seeking fast food. Because, yeah. you know, um it is it feels like a, a relatively untapped kind of, of market, an untapped kind of concept. There's clearly something cultural here. At at work because I I'm not aware of this ghost pepper pizza roulette uh, thing being available here in the United States of no. America. They've clearly you know uh, honed in on something about their 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 Japanese fans, the Domino's fans in in Japan, and we're like already at like they're, they've taken it to to the most illogical place. Possible, like oh, yeah. you can uh, 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 suffer genuine physical harm from unintentionally eating a ghost pepper.
1: Am I right, chief? You, well, yes, th- there's one there's one slightly disappointing thing about this that you'll that uh, I found a little later in the story. It says fortunately or unfortunately, if you're a spice maniac, only a small ampule, which is like a, uh, a unit of measurement for spiciness, only a small ampule of ghost pepper sauce is used. So the one who gets the spicy slice in this pizza pizza version of Russian roulette won't suffer unbearably. Which, to be honest, if we're doing this, I want the person with the slice to suffer unbearably. What's the fun of just having one person getting a slice? That's like, oh. That's a little more spicy than the others. I mean, it's still ghost pepper, so I'm sure it's really spicy. But if I were doing this promotion, I would just go, I would go the full pepper. I would just actually embed an actual ghost pepper into the pizza. Let's really like, if you want, if this is all for like social media play, let's let's just get those videos of people just like sweating uncontrollably when they've eaten the hottest pepper known to man.
0: See, I love this because um, part of the interest and intrigue of this story to me is is also like the the chemistry experiment. The the one yeah. ampule um, delivers what seems to be part of the the desired effect here, which is to uh, 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 hide it, to have it camouflage. Right, it's right, a camouflaged uh, 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 he- heat heat uh, experience. Um, if if you were to to douse the thing, you might be able to suss it out, uh, you know, because there's an individual slice on there that appears differently than the others. True, true, or true. Smells differently from the others. But look at you innovate here with the with the you you bake it into the crust. There's right. some other yeah. way to deliver, some other mechanism for delivering this. Now, I uh wondered is is the effect lost if it's an entire pizza? You know, if you just get a pizza that ends up inedible, um, what what is there behind the door? Because this this right. you have to in the first place, like, how's it work? What are the logistics? You have to like be willing, you have to sign something or say I want to, I want to play pizza roulette. Like how, what are the, what are the rules to it?
1: Right. Well, I mean, the fun thing about this conversation for us is that we're not responsible for like, you know, uh, Japan Domino's like liability or anything like that. But <laughs> you you definitely would have to think about that. You would also have to think about the poor souls who are actually making this pizza. You would hope that whoever is handling the ghost pepper, you know, sauce or whatever is, is definitely wearing double gloves, is like, well, like it's in a well-ventilated area, I would not want to be working next to the person handling the ghost pepper sauce myself. I think that, that if that stuff, you know, like, I definitely, I tell you what, if I'm working at, at Japan Domino's that day, I am not uh, having my contacts in because taking my contacts out afterward, you know, you're basically just like setting your setting your eyes on fire. There's really but... like, there's a lot to consider here. It's
0: a great point. Like, how are they getting it around? Like, they have to have certain franchises in Japan be open to doing it. And then it has to be transported in, you know, um, h- highly s- safe uh, uh, containers, you know, yes. vials right. of the stuff. You know, I imagine it's it's like, you know... Um, like blood-like si- substances <laughs> right. uh, and, and, and the, you know, the treatment of it, like, you're absolutely right. It's, it's near, it's damn near kind of a, a medical exercise and extracting it and then applying it. I yeah. mean, there's a, it's, it's like, you know, a uh, hydrochloric acid, you yeah. know, you better have a whole, a whole lo- a level of, of preparation in place. Cause you can't spill this stuff. No. And, and next thing you know, it's like mer- mercury rolling yeah. across the floor yeah. and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Well, this yeah. is, I I really want to see. I, I wonder if if there is an already existing, um, whole untapped vein, untapped in terms of House of Carbs, of thrill seeking, of, of a thrill seeking food vertical that we're just not uh, aware of. Um, now th- there is obviously like people that that will try spicy stuff, and yeah. that and I understand that one. Now, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that are willing to like take a a risk in terms of what they, uh, what the outcome might be. Like, you you know, you, you could get something right down the middle or you could could get something that's very outside your, your normal eating experience. Who are, who's that demo? And you know, what are the options as far as that demo goes?
1: Sure. And it, it, it really just goes along with this whole ethos. If you think about it, like in terms of giving gifts, people want experiences these days, not things, right? So this is almost the food version of that. Sure, there's the food, but what you're also really selling is the experience of, you know, it's two things. One is just like the endurance of having, you know, the, the, the ghost pepper, no matter, you know, how small a bit it is. But it, it is fun to sort of like, pardon the pun, but bake a, like a game right into the pizza, I actually really like that you get you get around with a bunch of friends and no one knows who's going to pick up, you know, the 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 spicy slice could be a great drinking game. You know, Uh, if if you if you get like, you know, like five pies or something and I mean, like like the rules that you can make on your own. Or if you don't get the spicy slice, you drink this. If you do get this uh, spicy slice, you know, you like down the whole, you know, the whole shot or the whole beer or something like that. It really does e- open up like endless possibilities for everybody.
0: Endless possibilities. I, I love the the creativity here. God bless uh, Domino's Japan. God bless Japan today.com. Um, I'm, I'm very eager. This, this uh, needs to be now sort of, I think, part of our regular uh, research regime. You know what, what's going on in Japan. What, what what are they eating in Japan? Because uh, the Olympics are right around the corner. The 2020 yeah. Olympics are in Tokyo, yeah. and by by all uh, reports across um, demographics that I I trust uh, in my own life, J- Tokyo, Japan is supposed to be perhaps the greatest food city in the world.
1: Yeah, I, perhaps I, I was there last year. My my wife and I took a long trip last year, and um, I, I would I would support that claim and what's what's fascinating about uh Japan is that they care about uh you know presentation quality um everything that you can think of at the highest levels and also at the lowest levels of 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 food you know there's really no there is no you know like part of the food culture there that they don't take seriously it's and, and so in, and so this is also being translated into the like the pop food category as well. If I can sum up, you know, like my food experience in Japan in one phrase, it's that they don't half-ass anything. They take Mm. everything more seriously than anyone else. And I I think that you're right. I think that this is probably just the tip of the iceberg. Great point about the Olympics. Um, You know, shout out to Kyle here for getting us on the Japan Today tip. I definitely think that we should be uh, keeping a closer eye on this going forward.
0: Yeah. Nephew Kyle, will give you a bonus. It won't be a ghost pepper Domino's pizza. I promise. <laughs>
1: Thanks, buddy. As far as you know. As um, far as you know. Okay. So we were just talking about food innovation um, in one realm. Let's take it to, uh, to another realm. Um, this is from foxnews.com. Headline, Scotch Distillery debuts whiskey cocktail pods, gets mocked mercilessly on Twitter. Tide Pods, but, tw- but whiskey. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit more. You've, you've got my attention. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. You know how the worst part of drinking is having to be responsible enough to hold a glass. No, I actually don't. I think I'm an adult and I can hold a glass. Well, Scotland-based yeah, distillery. That's one of the, the, the Glen... best parts of drinking. It, it, absolutely. Uh, the Glenlivet, which produces single malt scotch whiskey, has solved this problem, not a problem, with its newest product, the Whiskey Cocktail Pod. My anger as I'm reading this is just going to keep mounting. I'm just going to let you guys know. The iceless, (laughs) stirless, glassless, I can't even handle this. Capsule collection was unveiled recently during London Cocktail Week, somewhat to the ire uh, of Twitter. Let's see. uh, The capsule, which is described as the first of its kind for a spirit brand, is made of an edible, biodegradable, seaweed-based, I mean, come on, material, (laughs) and filled with 23 milliliters of scotch. According to the press release, the capsules are popped in the mouth for an instant burst of flavor, and the capsule is simply swallowed. I I don't know if I've ever come across a piece of food news that has made me more angry than what I just read to you. I love scotch and all kinds of whiskey and spirits so much, and just the whole, like, I'm sorry to take this over for a minute, but just the whole, like, like, sensory... Uh, experience of whether you're drinking whiskey neat, you're drinking it in a cocktail, whether it's even just a bottle of beer, that's part of the whole thing. Who on earth needs all of that boiled down to some space capsule that looks like just, you know, like some like lozenge that you're taking because you have a cold. This is like part of like the infantilization of culture that I have have a big problem with and um I'm gonna be pretty upset with the Glenn Livitt for a while. House, please talk me back from this from this ledge that I'm on right now.
0: I, I'm not going to. You <laughs> and I are gonna hold hands and jump right the okay. F off the okay, ledge, sure. Chief. W- who is this for? Like you 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 just articulated uh you know nine tenths of, of my own outrage at this. I don't understand what the informing thesis was as to why somebody would spend even 10 seconds on this other than some kind of um molecular gastronomy experiment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like to see if it could be done mm-hmm. like can <laughs> we is it is it uh physically possible as a science experiment to uh t- grab some amount of of our whiskey and Uh, uh, essentially uh, put it into a vehicle that um, deprives all human beings of all of the ways over hundreds of years that they have come to enjoy this, this, this beverage. uh, And instead is a different kind of delivery mechanism. Um, If, if the point of it is we did it to see if it could be done, then I guess I can live with it. But like the idea, who is buying these
1: underage drinkers? Who, who wants underage to... drinkers. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's underage drinkers. That's right. Drinkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It,
0: it is. The it is set up for abuse in, in in a nearly unprecedented way in this day and age. Don't you think?
1: I, I do. You know, there's a um on the on this this news page they've embedded a, a tweet from the Glenn Lippett with a short video showing how it works. And one of the other things that's um, disturbing about this is that the capsules are actually pretty big. Um, you know, if you, if you put it in your mouth, like the shot that you're getting is a lot bigger than like, you know, scotch is a sipping whiskey. You know, you don't take huge gulps of it. You, you like, you, you maybe put like a few drops of water in it and then you just slowly over time sip it. This is like, I mean, going to like Kyle's point, this is like how a child would like, like a, like a teenager would drink whiskey and like huge big gulps of it. I, you know, like the Glen, Glen, Glenlivet is like a, is like perfectly nice, like mid middle grade, uh, scotch. I've enjoyed it myself many times. It seems like they're disrespecting their own product by doing this. It's just not how you want to think about scotch in any way, shape or form.
0: That's exactly right. You, you use the, the, the idea of it, it, the infantilization of culture. Like there, it, there's a very good reason that um, scotch is a is a big person drink, yeah, and that big right. people <laughs> drink drink it the way because it's it's powerful right. and requires a palate that that you know tends to be like mature enough to understand like the nuances of yep. of what went into it, yep. like everything about the appreciation of scotch is immediately scotched by this <laughs> terrible. Like t- t- it literally looks like like Tide Pods. Yeah. And it, it also has appeal only to children, it looks uh, like. Yeah. It looks like candy. Yeah, it, it How looks How can like that candy. be a
1: good idea? It, it's, it's not. And, you know, to your point about, you know, you know, food scientists asking, is this something that we can do? It re- reminds me, I read a story the other day, um, <clears throat> scientists are uh, at the point where they can manufacture in labs cells that are basically like mini, it's mini brains. They're like, they're like brain, it's brain matter that doesn't, that is not like a complete brain. And bioethicists right now all over the world are cautioning, listen, don't take this too far because if you create an actual brain, well then, you know, you're just basically opening Pandora's box. And I'm just going to, this is a call to some of those bioethicists to please direct your attention to what the Glenn Livitt is doing, because I really think that somebody should have stepped in and said, "Guys, okay, you did this. Let's not actually like like unleash this on the populace, because once we do, who knows what kind of harm we're going to create all over the world? It's just it's yeah. it's, it's it's a problem."
0: One question. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is it? Are you supposed to swallow this bag, or you just do you, you bite it open? Like, because if I think you bite it open, because like, if you don't, if you swallow this bag, like, and you swallow like five of them. That's the that's the worst, it's right? The worst. You can yeah. just be dead, right? No, I, I think it's like a, a, what's that what's that candy that you bite into and it like there's like a burst of like like juice in the in the middle.
0: Like, yeah, like oh, there's gushers. definitely a
1: a gum that has that, and that like gushers. Gushers. This is the Scotch gushers. gushers. This is what this is because you know, of course, you know it's there's a it there's a environmentally friendly fine. That's great seaweed film around this stuff, and so you bite into the seaweed, seaweed and Scotch. Two things that I think are great <laughs> together, and then and then it like bursts into your mouth. And the thing is, I think that maybe some of this is Scotch and some of it is like a Scotch cocktail, which oh, like no. quickly, I mean like. A Rob Roy, I'll spend like I'll gladly spend a lot of time with, but I want to drink the Rob Roy. I don't want it in this tiny little pillow that's going to like explode, just explode, explode <laughs> in my mouth.
0: Yeah, yeah. W- way to go! You, you've, you've made uh, Jello shots, Glenn Levitt, with your, with your <laughs> scotch. Pat, pat on the back, fellas. Uh, incredible. Anyway, incredible. I'm glad in- that incredible. we're all in in, in agreement, and not the... and not not a good incredible, a right. bad incredible. Right, right. right. Alright, quick break from these savory stories. Wanna tell you a little bit about Zip Recruiter. Because hiring can be a slow process, but it doesn't have to be. Cafe Alcoras COO Chief Operating Officer Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But he was having a hard time finding qualified applicants, so he switched to ZipRecruiter. Zip Recruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. So you're getting qualified candidates fast, like my boy Dylan. He posted his job on ZipRecruiter. He said he's impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply, and he used recruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants. Should I make a joke about coffee filter, Kyle?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Get it done, house.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean he it was it was a paper filter, cone-shaped filter for his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. I guess they could have been slow pour, and that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days with results like that. It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. That's Robusto, nephew Kyle. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Carbs. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash C-A-R-B-S. ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. My friends, not that you needed an excuse to visit Las Vegas, Nevada, but Aria Resort and Casino has everything from corner views in every room and award-winning dining to poolside pampering and five-star spa treatments. Aria embodies distinction from technology-advanced rooms to signature moments in Aria Sky Suites and Aria Tower Suites. The Forbes Travel Guide five-star radiant Aria Sky Suites are an unrivaled hotel experience offering a level of service and personalization unlike anything in Las Vegas. The city's entertainment is not limited to the stages, casinos, or pools because Aria brings the show to your table through their collection of chefs, restaurateurs, and unique dining concepts. Nephew Kyle, I love Aria. I've stayed there a bunch of times. I love where it's um, situated in the city. It, it really is slightly off the beaten path, which makes you feel like you're not like right in the middle of everything. It feels like you're getting away a bit, but it, it's got everything that you need. Have you stayed at Aria yet? No, I stayed in some old Vegas stuff that I'm not going to mention. All right, well, we're going to get you into a more modern... Experience. Um, one of the nice things uh, about Aria also, if you need a hookup, if you're if you're looking to get a little golf in, the, the the great concierge service there will get you out on Shadow Creek. You can make that happen. That is uh, the, the 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 finest golf experience in Las Vegas, about in my experience. I want to talk about the Jean Georges Steakhouse. Also, you can get in there for specialty items like the certified Kobe A five and tableside smoked wagyu brisket or go ahead and take in some sights at the Bardo Brasserie including the old luscious classic the beef wellington we are in beef wellington season it's officially like the holidays are coming let's sit down to a giant glass of red wine and some beef wellington you know what i'm talking about uh nephew Kyle yes sir i do i, I know it that carbone captain's guide you through dinner with the Italian-American masterpieces like the Dover piccata, and then over at Ushulia and Serrano Tapas you can share authentic plates amongst friends including the pata negra and the newest edition Catch! They're bringing epic renditions of Asian-influenced sushi, seafood, and steak. All the excitement is located at the center of the Las Vegas Strip, only at Aria Resort and Casino. Visit aria.com to see how they Vegas!
1: Well, um... Speaking of uh, vitriol, let's get to the story that you um, you teased at the top. Um, Pete Wells' review of Peter Luger in in the New York Times. Um, so uh, uh, at the top, Pete Wells does a great job of talking about all of like the like the the, the sensory experience of get of, of when you walk into walk into Peter Luger. And so um, I'll kind of t- pick it up in the middle. There is the thunk of a bowl filled with schlag landing on a bare wood table when dessert is served. And soon after, the softer tap-tap-tap of waxy chocolate coins and gold foil dropped one at a time on top of the check. And after I've paid, there is the unshakable sense that I've been scammed. This review, uh, House, I'm sure you've read it, is, this is, um, this is a, a, an evisceration of Peter Luger. He basically says that it's past uh, its prime. They don't care enough about doing a good job anymore. The food isn't good. It's extremely overpriced and the service, which used to be sort of, um, you know, like lovably brusque is now just sort of indifferent. Um, what are your thoughts on the, on, on the review? I know that both of us, we, we, we both know that we are both, um, steakhouse lovers. So this is something, this is an issue that is near and dear to both of our hearts.
0: yeah. And, and I am, uh, you know, I, I've been to the Peter Lugers in Brooklyn, maybe yep. like a, a half dozen times. Okay. And, um, I, I, I've always loved every experience that I've had. I do want to say we are going to, uh, have on the show, I believe, um, uh, James baby, baby doll, uh, Dixon. Oh, great. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the agent to, uh, media stars like, uh, Jimmy Kimmel and and Stephen Colbert mm-hmm. and Bill Simmons uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, because he is a known uh, devotee. He is a true Lugarite. Mm-hmm. He's a true uh, L- Lugarism. I uh-huh, don't know what uh-huh, what you call uh-huh. the the Luger subscribers. Yeah. I want to give him the opportunity to to sort of mount the, the the defense. I my only observation here. I just wanted to make sure that we captured it this week because it it, it arose this week is you know, a lot of the complaint from, from Pete Wells, who who I immensely enjoy. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. am, am a, a Pete Wells devotee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, both in terms of the style of his writing and and how evocative it is, mm-hmm. uh, but also, the, you know, the takes. This is not um, a hot take. This right. is not even an incendiary take. This is an incandescent take. <laughs> this is w- the, the whitest hot, kind of take and you know i i do think it captures it's resonating and it and it's really um caught the food community's attention because we are in this moment of taking a look at our old institutions our old eating uh uh, institutions our, our our cultural our food culture that belong to older eras and if you shake it up and look at it under the light of modern eating mores it it might look unpleasant (laughs) It, it might look less than than you know than 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 desirable and i feel like that's what um is essentially going on here i'm on the the side of being a person because i'm a glass half full kind of guy i want um my institutions, the the things that that, you know have stood the test of time to continue and persist on. It gives me something to like, you know, look back to and mm-hmm. and you know, there's a sent a sentimentality to me, mm-hmm. a sappy sentimentality, probably uh uh not just sappy, but also something that makes me susceptible to being scammed. <laughs> like I want to be scammed yeah. kinda. Yeah. I, I kind of get it. The yeah. point of the experience isn't i don't I wouldn't go in there. I've never gone in there thinking, um, this is likely to be the most incredible eating experience of my entire life. Mm-hmm. It's a particular eating experience um and a one of a kind eating experience and one that speaks to Sense of place, sense of of uh, you know an identity that derives from where it sits in Brooklyn and where it's been in you know how it's been at that location for decades and decades, and a style of doing things that's withstood the test of time for those decades. And so, I just like the actual um, evaluation of the of the food is secondary. I will say that the the criticism I've seen. Um, some of his most vicious <laughs> criticism goes to items of food that I've never eaten there. I've never tried the Caesar salad uh-huh. at uh, Peter Luger. Yeah. I wouldn't mess with it. You just get the tomato and the onion when you go there, and yeah. you get you get bacon when you go. That's like the, yeah. those are yeah. the starters that that you have. Uh-huh. Um, but so that that's kind of like my sense of of again. I'm not professing to be somebody that's been there hundreds of times, and and I'm not definitely not. Uh, a Luger stand, but I just find it super interesting where this like, you know, uh, uh, let's take a look at an old venerable institution and subject it to, to the light of today and see what comes out of it.
1: Yeah. I, I, I went once, I went last year and, um, we had a great time. Uh, I, I would not say that it was the greatest meal of my life. It was you know, one, it was one of the pricier meals uh, of my life, but um, I thought that the steak was very good. I thought that the sides were good. Um, you know, he, he talks about the—so so, so we should point out one thing that you just said that's really important. You, you've been there a handful of times. I've been there once. You know, Pete Wells has, he, you know, definitely been there many more times than basically like anyone else who's, who's, who's read this or, or most people who have read this. So it's definitely, you know, the hottest take it is an an informed take. So, so we have to give them that, um, you know, so I'll say that we did have a, a very good time when we went, like you said, we knew what we were getting into. We knew that we had to pay only in cash. We knew that, you know, like, even if you have a reservation, you're going to wait. Uh, we knew that, um, you know, like the, the service does have like a little bit of an attitude. It's funny, he um, he describes the service at this point as sort of indifferent. I, I had to say that when we went, you know, the service was definitely shticky, but we, we you know, we found the shtick to be like honest and energetic and we were definitely there for it. There are definitely one-liners that that, Waiter you know, gives every single table every single time, but we thought that the 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 delivery was 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 well done and was was honestly done and so so we like that, but you know, so there's probably um there's probably going to be like a difference if you're going for the first time and you've already been prepped about what it's like, your acceptance of some of the flaws is probably going to be higher than, you know, Pete Wells' job is to be the food critic for the New York Times. And he's going to subject something like Peter Luger to the same rigor that he does any other restaurant that he that he reviews. And my guess is that he doesn't want to he doesn't want to put them or anyone else out of business. What he probably wants is for them to get back to what he saw as their, as their glory. He probably thinks that they're resting on their laurels a little bit too much. And he wants this to be a wake-up call. Like, hey, this was once a really great experience for a lot of people. And, you know, a lot of people are still showing up. It's always packed when you're there. But he's like let's just take a step back and stop treating it like a sacred cow. And let's actually look at some of the, some of the shortcomings. I didn't necessarily see all those shortcomings when I was there, but if I were to go, you know, 10 times over three months, I bet that I, I I don't doubt uh, the possibility that I, that I would see them. So it's, it's sort of an interesting thing when you read a food review of a beloved institution. If you're not a food critic, in you're, you know, like I, I, I love institutions like that. One of my favorite places in LA is Musso and Frank in Hollywood. I love every single part of the experience of going there. It's another, it's another old time, old time steakhouse. We go for 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 the ride. And he's going to, you know, really put it under uh, the, you know, a, a critic's microscope. And I think that both ways of approaching a restaurant like that are, are valid. Um you know, I, and it, 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 I agree with you. I think it's, I think it is interesting to sort of take these places that have been around since, you know, before some of the, the, like m- most of us have even been born and, and subject them to today's, um, you know, like to today's standards. But, you know, like I, I read it, I thought it was extremely, you know, like strongly, strongly written, but I think that it was honestly done. And, you know, I, I, I hope that, that some of the some of the things that he talks about, some of the just, you know, sort of like, you know, I guess flabbier elements of the experience are, are tightened up. I I hope that they don't just basically like, you know, just like, uh, circle the wagons and just say, this guy doesn't get it and don't, don't, don't change a thing.
0: So I, I like that observation, uh, quite a bit. And, and, and I agree with it. It is, um, I think important to be cognizant of, the public service element of Pete Wells, the chair that he sits in requires him to be thinking about, you know, the public writ large and for people that are um, in the, in the market for what, you know, by an iconic experience, a once in a lifetime experience and the price point that goes along with that um, him, you know, sort of holding their feet to the fire to perhaps restore the luster to some of the the you know the the both the experience of it and and the food element of it that's in the public's interest and if you read the review in that in that manner um then I think it's 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 kind of fair and it's kind of what what you want out of a out of a food critic because you you that that I believe is is a you know, a pretty crucial element of the food critic uh, deliverable. Would you do you agree with that?
1: I, I do, and, and I think another way to look at a food critic is that he's a consumer advocate, and he's saying, "Now wait a minute. I know that everyone goes here for if you're if you're eating there, you're one of two people. You are, you know, like uh, <clears throat> fortunate to be well off enough that you can eat at a steakhouse like Peter Luger on a on a regular basis and drop that kind of money, or you're somebody who's not, but you 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 know you've saved up. And you're going for a big event meal, and you know I, he's looking out for everybody who's spending. You, you every time you go, you easily spend multiple hundreds of dollars on that meal, and so I I think that if you spend, if you're a restaurant that charges that much money, you should be held up to that kind of that kind of uh, that kind of criticism. And he's not he's not you know food critics don't do that to um, put to, you know, put restaurants out of business or just to, you know, like take shots at people. They're doing it because their reading public is also the eating public and people work hard for their money. And, you know, restaurants are getting more and more expensive for a lot of, I think actually like, you know, justifiable reasons. But if we're going to go out to a place like Peter Luger, we're going to go for like a birthday or an anniversary and we're all going to, you know, fork over like a few hundred dollar bills then that place should be kept honest and that place should be providing you know uh goods and services that are you know commensurate with with the tab and I, you know i think that if he found that um on the aggregate over time that wasn't happening then you know he has a responsibility as one of the nation's leading food critics to uh, uh to say that
0: yeah he 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 called it out so uh I'm I'm very excited for um you know the the w- what's to come because there will be in the first place we're gonna have James Babydall Dixon on to come on and, and and give his his version of a defense um, which will be very entertaining but I also think you know there's no way that Luger and some of its devotees will let this stand so the right. the public sphere will be uh, filled up with soon enough some some retorts some rebuttals some you know Pete Wells has missed it uh entirely kind of uh uh responses and I'm here for all of it. I I I'm I'm, I'm here for this beef.
1: It, yeah. Chief. Well, put me on the well Luger beef. Well done. Well done. <laughs> um okay. What else do we got? Let's 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 keep it in uh in New York. Um, and you know, let's both also, we'll, let's just pause and be thankful that, uh, you know, we do podcasts for a company where they never tell, tell us just stick to food. They're, we're we're going to get into food and politics here. Um, this is okay. from, uh, uh, the New York post city council expected to pass bill banning foie gras, the big apple is ready to bid adieu to foie gras. The city council is is expected to pass a bill Wednesday banning the sale of the controversial French delicacy by all New York City restaurants and vendors on the basis of animal cruelty. While the legislation is widely supported by animal rights groups, it has come under fire from local restaurateurs and vendors who sell the goose and duck liver uh, delicacy. Um, Let's see. So it it got support from... From key politicians, violators will be guilty of a misdemeanor and face fines of up to one thousand dollars and a year in jail for each offense. Um, uh, House, this this happened out in California um, a couple years ago, and um, it, you know, like the, the, like the battle lines were the same out here. There are a lot of animal rights advocates saying that you know the way that you create foie gras by basically like force feeding. Geese is inhumane. And you had a lot of, uh, you know, restaurant owners, including some notable like French chefs saying, uh, foie gras has been created like this for centuries. You don't understand the process. And, you know, some restaurants were serving it as sort of a, a form of protest, uh, you know, uh, against, um, against, against the law. Um, I find that these are very interesting camps that are sort of pitted against one another. Um, what's your take? And um, also, like, w- what's your take on foie gras itself as a food?
0: So, so I'll start with with um, my view of foie gras. I think it's incredible. I mean, I I have when it when it's um, done well, done properly, it is to to me transportive. Like, I can't believe um, the experiences, the sensations. Uh, uh, of uh, you know, the, 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 it's a five sense kind of experience. there's there's a sight experience, there's a smell experience. Um, you know, in inside the mouth, there there are probably like three or four different experiences that yeah. occur yeah. over the the course of eating, you know, um, a, a beautiful uh, a morsel of, of foie gras. Yeah. Um, I will say uh, our mutual pal, Dave Chang, had a, a, a near violent reaction when he saw this news yeah. he, there was at least one f-bomb maybe multiple f-bombs on the twitter well, when he took uh sight of this um so i'm i'm keenly and and uh, very very uh excited to hear what his take is and why he thinks this is so uh uh he, he his his uh based on just what he seemed to be int- indicating on Twitter he thought this was a cynical political ploy. Um, but I, I uh, am, am curious to sort of hear a, a person that's actually in you know, deeply, deeply immersed in in the uh, food industry and in you know the preparation of uh, foods across the world and has experience with food across the world, why he finds um, this particular approach by New York and California. To be so distasteful, I don't have an ethical problem with it personally because I my my view is once you're through the window uh, of being a person that that um, is is okay ethically with eating meat, then there aren't like degrees of I I would prefer that that animals not um, be treated in a in a cruel manner manner in terms of you know providing sustenance um and i know that that's at the guts of this uh, the the argument against foie gras but there are lots of rebuttal from resources that i find credible enough without you know i haven't gone deep on it um that suggests that it can be done in a in a in a less cruel manner right um but i i'm like i think that if you're a meat eater then uh, this is for me i'm not going to say for other people um, that I don't have an ethical problem with it. What's what's your f- foie gras stance, Chief?
1: Well, the foie gras is it, it, it's one of the most intoxicating things that you can eat, as I think that you just said. So much so that just about every time I've encountered it, I've always I, I think we talked about this when 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 I talked about my my trip to Montreal uh yes. this year. It, it's it's so it's such an amazing thing to eat that I always end up eating about twice as much as is good for me. And I end up feeling as if I am a goose whose whose liver has just been enlarged <laughs> by 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 forest feeding. It's yeah, it, that's you know, right. Getting full on foie gras is is a particular kind of full. It is really one of the richest things that you can that you can possibly eat. Um I, I agree with you when it's when it's um when it's prepared and presented well. Um, and with, with respect to, you know, it's, it's power basically. Um, it's just, you know, it, if you're a serious eater, it's, um, it's something that you definitely want to do. Um, not too many times in your life, my God. Uh, but, um, but something, something that, that you should do. It's really like, it's, it's, it's better experience than, than just, you know, to be, uh, to be, to be told about. I, I, I think that there are, um, there are some like bad sticky applications of the food. I remember a few years ago in Los Angeles. I can't remember where this where this was now, but there was a place that for a while was doing a foie gras donut. <laughs> it was one of the most horrendous things I've ever eaten in my life. It was a donut that was like injected with like a warm foie gras, and uh, I, I mean, it, it was it was just absolutely horrible. And I think it was it was honestly like you know regardless of whether the 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 process that is used to make it is cruel or not it it, it is like it, it it's it's an extreme process there's a lot of work that goes into it it's been around for a long time i think if you work with a food like that you really want to treat it with like a form of veneration you know you don't want to just like do like a trick with something like that because you know like you know the the ethics aside you know, they're like agricultural workers who did a lot of work going into it. And like, you know, a, <laughs> there's a, there's a bird somewhere who went through like some, some level of something to like to create that thing. So if you're going to serve it, let's serve it in a way that sort of like elevates it and not just turns it into, into a party trick. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know enough about like the, 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 the production of it as well to have like a super informed take on the ethics. I, I have to think that if, like, animal rights activists all over the place are making um, an issue of this, that that there has to be at least something there. I think that there's also just a bigger question of, like you say, house. like, if you're eating meat and you're engaging with basically, like, the meat industrial complex, you know, like, is, is everything that you're eating in one sense or another being done in a way that if you see it up close, you would be, you would be, uh, uh, uncomfortable with, you know, probably like if we all like went and actually saw how all this stuff is made, we, I don't think, you know, we'd all necessarily become vegetarians, but, you know, we might not eat like quite, quite as much as we, as we are. So I do think that there's value in this conversation of just stopping and thinking about how this stuff, uh, uh, is, is being made. And, you know, it's also like, it's not like you're seeing like foie gras at McDonald's, yet, but you're, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive enough and it's, it's special enough that it's not something that's eaten on a, on a mass level, but there's definitely value in just stopping and thinking about what is this thing that's being served at high-end restaurants and how is it getting, getting to our table?
0: That's a, it it is a, a perfectly, uh, valid conversation. And I, uh, understand, um, uh, the, the points of view on, on both sides of it. And I'm kind of with you. I I'm, I'm willing to, 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 to listen. I'm exceptionally interested in hearing what brother David Chang has to say.
1: And we'll take it from there. Definitely. Um, so, okay, Kyle, if we, if we still have time, let's do one more. Okay. One more. Let's do one more. Let's do one more chief. Let's do it. Let's, um, you know what, let's end where we began. Let's go back to Japan. Because um this is a great story. Uh, yes. And we're gonna we double
0: we're, Japan day.
1: Absolutely. And we're gonna keep it uh we're gonna keep it sort of somewhat in the in the, the 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 political sphere, but oddly not not as fraught. Um here's the headline. Um this is in this is in vice. Japanese politician resigns over claims that he gave people expensive melons. Issue su- su- suga- suga- Sugawara, oh, my apologies. God, I'm not going to try that again. I, I apologize, everyone, for that. Signed off Friday uh, after a tabloid accused him of violating election campaign laws by handing out pricey melons, crabs, and cod row. So this is a guy who is, um, who is a member of the prime minister's cabinet. And, um, you know, he, he-, he-, he bought off, he-, he is said to have bought off a lot of supporters in, in a lot of different ways but the 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 way that's getting the the headlines is that he gave uh, supporters, again, Japan, they take their food so seriously, even in their corruption, uh, by handing out you know these like the, the, these really high end food items. Um, I don't know about you, but like if I were ever going to be on the take with with a with, if I were going to ask a, a, a like a lawmaker to be on on, on the take with me, Um, I, I actually would much rather, uh, receive like a crate of like hard to get crab than just some, like, you know, some like, like, uh, like paper bag full of money that's just slid across the table. I just, again, I'm going back to Japan is the classiest place in the world. Even their corruption is like just higher and better than everyone else's.
0: So this is, uh, uh unbelievable. We're two for two. I, I mean, I really think I have to get to Japan. I can't to. believe you have to, it's, this is, this is like so great. Um, what's the crime here?
1: Yeah, I, Exactly.
0: I, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm trying to, right. I'm sitting here. I know I, I have a legal background. <laughs> uh, I, I, I sat through uh, criminal law, criminal procedure. I, uh, you know, I, hours of my life that I can't get back. Um, I, 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 I guess The idea is you don't want to bribe people to vote for you, and that's, uh, I understand, kind of a a laudable enough um, proposition in a democracy or semi-democracy, but, like... What's wrong with a gift? Sure. What's I mean, wrong with some crabs? I, I guess you can't, just, like just
1: you can't kill him for some melon. I know. I know. I know. I, I guess like j- just in the sake of like, f- you know, full information, I guess, you know, the accusation was that he violated election campaign laws. And I guess what I just think is like, man, just that's the old kind of corruption. That's just like, in t- you know, like Tammany Hall, they were like handing out hams or something. Historians, I totally just made that up. I know. But you know what I'm talking about? Like, this is yes. the old kind of like, you, you know, I scratch your back with a crab claw. You scratch my back with a vote. And, you know, if, if you know, the politicians have been uh, corrupt for longer than there's been, you know, like, like a written record. And if they're going to do at least by like handing out to people delicious foods, let's bring on the corruption. That's all I have to say.
0: I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, you know, this is clearly a person that that understands the way to his constituency's heart, and and if it's if it happens to be paved with with cod row, who, who, who's the victim here? Who, who, I really don't know. Who, 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 who gets hurt? This, I don't this know. This feels like a victimless crime to me.
1: You know, when I saw this story, I knew, I was just like, well, that guy just got House's vote and I had to put it in. <laughs> I immediately <laughs> thought of you. I was like, just thinking of somebody giving you like some blue crab or some Alaskan king yeah. crab. And I was like, yeah, yeah, House is voting for that guy. And you know, yeah. on, honestly, after having been there, do not sleep on the melons because if it, like the, the produce there is Absolutely mind blowing. I guarantee you, because I think that these were like like high end or like some sort of like rare, like expensive melons. Those things were delicious. I guarantee you, you took one bite of those things, and you're basically you're like, oh, well, this is the Platonic ideal of a melon. This is like what every melon <laughs> wants to be. And yeah, I'm going to vote for this guy. Sure, I'll back your program. You know, like I'm eating a yeah. delicious melon right now. Well, um, I'm
0: I'm not sure what Mister. Shukawara is uh doing with his life now but if he wants to come over or he wants to come on House of Carbs he is more than welcome all i ask for is two melons and a little cod roe.
1: Yeah, you see? I mean you you you've named your price. It's all above board. We're on the record with this so he should have no problem coming on coming on House of Carbs.
0: Chief, uh speaking of coming on House of Carbs, as always an, an intellectually stimulating and uh, uh, delicious And a little bit uh, uh, controversial uh, uh, version of the food news this week. Thank you so much, my friend. It was
1: an absolute pleasure. And once again, congrats on those gnats, And um, have fun at the Victory Bread.
0: Yeah, I promise to be drunk uh, when I see you next week.
1: Attaboy. All right. See you. (laughs) Thanks, Chief.
0: Boom, there we go, my culinary comrades Another House of Carbs in the books. Hit us up on the Instagram. We are at the House of Carbs. If you have some culinary thrill-seeking that you think we ought to know about, hit us up. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look. We'll publish it. We'll like it. and Maybe we'll try and uh, figure out a way to give it a try our own selves here at the House of Carbs. We're back next week. We have uh, a cookbook and an author unlike a cookbook and cookbook author I've ever encountered in my entire life. That is not hyperbole. You should listen to next week's show. I'm also going to be in Los Angeles, California. I'm sure I'll eat something delicious and talk about it on next week's show there as well. Until then, my hungry homies, let's stay hungry out there.